Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. And we are the active voice of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Our mission is to showcase vital women between the ages of 70 to 100 plus who shatter the myth that we become irrelevant as we age. These women lead fulfilling lives for themselves and others. Visit our website, womenover70.com, where you can access all the episodes. We also invite you to join our monthly podcast club. And we welcome speaking to your organization or group on Aging Reimagined. If women aging is a market you would like to reach, consider sponsoring an episode. Finally, if you are an author with a book about women, check out our book promotion opportunity. And today we are so happy to be in conversation with Nancy Manahan, PhD, age 75. Nancy began her young adult life as a nun, then left the convent because she was miserable there and realized there were other ways to be of service. She taught community college English, women's studies, and film studies. Nancy has lived in Africa, France, Costa Rica, and Mexico. While visiting family in her hometown of Medalia, Minnesota, she fell in love. Becky and Nancy married privately in 1994 and legally in 2008. Nancy says her 27 years with Becky have been the happiest of her life. Nancy has edited books about lesbian nuns and about lesbians in the Girl Scouts. She and Becky, who has published three novels, co-wrote Living Consciously, Dying Gracefully, a story of their sister-in-law's journey with cancer and beyond her death. Three years ago, Nancy and Becky bought a home in North Fort Myers, Florida, in a community of 500 women, aptly named Carefree. Nancy and Becky won a 2020 Lilly Award for Best Documentary for their film, The Carefree Concert Band. During the summer months, Nancy and Becky returned to Minneapolis to reunite with friends and a large extended family. And thanks to Dr. Carolyn Torkelson, episode number seven, for referring Nancy to us. So welcome, Nancy, to Women Over 70. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Gail. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Welcome. So Nancy, let's let's touch briefly on your life as a nun and then college teacher. And what would you like to highlight about those early times in your life? Well, I really struggled in the convent. I like to think for myself. So the vow of obedience was very difficult for me. I was always asking, but why? I was really much happier as a community college teacher where I was in charge of my classroom and I could teach what I loved, which is writing and literature, and I could inspire students to love that literature too and to have more confidence in their ability to write. I I actually, I couldn't believe the first few years that I was getting paid to read poetry and plays and novels and then discuss them. I would have done that without any pay. <laughs> it was great. So you taught, you taught women's studies. Was that, um, was that a, a new offering or was women's studies already established? At your oh, college? no. When I was teaching at Napa Valley College in, in uh, Napa, California, it was brand new. 
and I created a class called Women's Literature. And I had actually spent the three or four years before that um, filling in the gaps of my own education. I had gotten a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in English without ever reading significant amounts of women writers, maybe mm -hmm. Jane Eyre, maybe a Virginia Woolf, maybe an Emily Dickinson poem. But that was it. Basically, a degree in English was a degree in white male mm -hmm. writers. Mm -hmm. So I had been doing my homework and discovering all these wonderful writers. And so I was able to construct a, a class in women's literature at Napa Valley College in their very new women's studies curriculum. Mm -hmm. That's that's wonderful. And I've talked, we've talked with other women who brought women's studies into the college curriculum. So that's mm -hmm. grateful for it. Um, so Nancy, you told me when we talked earlier that the happiest period in your life, the last 27 years, have been the happiest in your life. And that seems very intertwined with Becky, uh, your wife and partner and so many things. Just what, what stands out for you in terms of the things you're involved in and, and what you're advocating? Well, I think probably the most important thing is that Becky is an extraordinary human being. <laughs> um, she's, she's smart and funny and has wonderful communication skills. She is as committed to an open, honest, and transparent relationship as I am, which means that all sorts of problems that I have had in other relationships just don't exist mm. in this one. Um, we both grew up, as you mentioned, in this little town, 2,400 people in Medelia, Minnesota. So we have a great deal in common in our backgrounds, which mm. I think also helps us have a really compatible relationship. Uh, and it's been very a very productive one. We've written six books between us, uh, and we support each other as writers and help help each other with every writing project that we have. We have traveled a lot. We just love to travel, and we've, we've uh, been on every continent, sometimes visiting friends and family members and staying for significant amounts of time. We helped co-found a nonprofit organization called the Minnesota Threshold Network, which advocates and educates about families taking care of their own loved ones at the time of death and after death, mm -hmm. and also educates about green burial or more environmentally friendly um, disposition alternatives after death. Um, we we have we don't have children so we decided that rather than leave our money to <clears throat> some organization or family members who probably don't need it we would spend it now and enjoy <laughs> enjoy um very conscious philanthropic giving so so we we have various categories the environment the arts edu education feminist organizations and individuals who we sometimes help anonymously, who just need a, a, a lift, a helping hand temporarily. And we have more fun giving away money than I can describe. It's <laughs> wonderful. And it's the two of you, Nancy. It's your own, your own private philanthropy. That's, well, that's right. We, one of our major 
um, our major donations is through P Fund, which is Philanthropy Fund. It's it's a community LGBT organization in Minnesota. I've served on the board of P Fund, and Becky and I many years ago, well, yeah, about 27 years ago, started the Manahan Bowen Scholarship for mm -hmm. a lesbian from a small town because we know how little support um, gay and lesbian kids get in small towns. Mm -hmm. Um, or if nobody applied from a small town, then from a community college, since community colleges often serve non-traditional students. They're probably the first student from their family mm -hmm. who's ever been to college, or they're students of color, or they're international students. And so for 27 years, we have helped um, a young woman um, with a scholarship to further her education. This past year was especially interesting. Uh, our scholarship recipients, well, recipient and her partner is really part of it, was a Native American woman in South Dakota. It, the, it's a five-state area that PFUND serves. Mm -hmm. And she and her partner helped their tribe, uh, their Sioux tribe, pass the first non-discrimination um, provision in any on any reservation in the United States. Wow. That seems so hard to believe that it's was that long in coming. I know it. They have had a very a very difficult time when when she came out. Um, she lost her job actually as a tribal police. And there was, there was no protection for her on the reservation. And that was when she realized, oh, my gosh, um, they, they, got, they got harassed terribly. Mm -hmm. And so she and her partner worked for the next three years with the tribal elders to help them see that this was not part of their, their heritage, that, that two-spirit people are an honored and valuable part of most Native American nations. And so they really needed to do education among the people and get rid of the homophobia that was making life so difficult for young LGBT members of the tribe. Mm -hmm. mm. Tremendous courage on their part. Oh, tremendous. Yeah. Nancy, um, let's go back to the, the, you've, the books that you've edited, written, and just, we're not gonna cover all six of them that you and Becky have been involved in, but what, what ones are you particularly proud of or that stand out for you? Oh, what a great question, Catherine. Well, one of the wonderful things that came out of being in the convent was that several years later, I realized I had not resolved my grief about leaving that life that I had thought was going to be my, my meaning, my purpose, my community, my work um, for my entire life. And so I started to look for other lesbian ex-nuns with whom I could process these feelings that were rumbling up from the depths. And out of that came the book, an anthology of 50 stories by lesbian nuns and ex-nuns called Lesbian Nuns Breaking Silence. Mm -hmm. um, it was published by a little press in Tallahassee, Florida, a little feminist, lesbian feminist press. 
And I thought that the book would be maybe of interest to a, a handful of people and would be available only at women's bookstores. But much to our surprise, it went mainstream and became a bestseller and was featured in Newsweek magazine and the New York Times and the Los Angeles Times. And we were on Phil Donahue and Kelly oh Raphael. <laughs> I did hundreds of interviews, newspaper, Becky, talk. What, what, when was that? And what, what do you think got such a, such so much national attention? Why? Um, well, a couple of, it actually, it was international. It ended up being mm. published in, in uh, seven languages and in 11 countries. Uh, I think that, that people are fascinated by nuns and had at that time when nuns still wore the full habit, this kind of lofty um, idealized notion of nuns as almost otherworldly. And then there was also a fascination with lesbians, which was just the opposite. Instead of being elevated and lofty, we were denigrated and, and sick and perverted. So to put those two together was a little mind-blowing, uh, produced produce some cognitive dissonance. Um, the other thing is that we were scheduled to be on a television show <coughs> in uh, Philadelphia and, and Boston. Well, anyway, uh, the Boston Archbishop got mm -hmm. wind of this and sent a letter to all of the Boston parishes encouraging parishioners to put pressure on the TV station to cancel this show. Oh. And we were canceled. Huh. Uh, my co-editor, Rosemary Kerb, and I were disinvited. And uh, it made the newspapers banned in Boston. <laughs> and that happened to be the week that we were on the Phil Donahue show. And he said, now, I, I, there's a rumor that, that you've been banned in Boston. That can't be true in this day and age, can it? This was 1985. And we said, yes, it, it is true. So I think that that totally backfired for that poor archbishop. Mm -hmm. because <laughs> that catapulted lesbian nuns breaking silence to the bestseller list. <laughs> that's, that's great. Tell us a little bit also about um, living consciously, dying gracefully. Oh, that is probably my favorite book. Becky and I were with my sister-in-law, Diane Manahan, when she died of metastatic breast cancer, <clears throat> in the room with her, holding her. It was one of the most profound experiences of our lives. And afterwards, we talked to people who either had been there or had not, in, in most cases, been there, and had had very unusual and powerful experiences of Diane visiting them in one way or another after her death. Things, experiences they, they hadn't known were possible because death is the end, right? <laughs> You're um. gone. <laughs> well, apparently not. They, they had visits that were very deep and healing and could not be explained scientifically and rationally. Mm -hmm. Becky and I heard these stories and thought, we have got to write these down so that their friends, 
um, my brother and, and his children and other friends and family members can, can hear the power that she continued to have, the healing power after her death. Diane was a nurse and a college teacher and was one of the most um, balanced and funny and loving people that I have ever met. I just, I just adored Diane, and so did Becky. So we started gathering these stories and interviewing the people who had had these experiences, thought we'd put them into a little booklet just to distribute to our family members. Well, it got so interesting that we thought maybe we should write what led up to her death. And my brother, Bill, who, was, who had moved from their town where he and Diane had lived and raised their four boys, he had moved to Man Minneapolis and was living with us. Temporarily, we thought it ended up being 14 years that he stayed with us. <laughs> he never found a, a place he liked better, <laughs> which, which actually worked out beautifully because we traveled so much and Bill could take care of the house while we were gone. Mm -hmm. So he came up to us one day when we were working on Diane's book, or what we thought was this little booklet, and he gave us this huge stack of folders which contained her medical records. He said, I thought this might be helpful to you. Well, in amongst those medical records, it turned out, there were excerpts from her diary and poetry that she had written mm. during, during her, her three-year journey with metastatic breast cancer. So the third voice in the book is Diane's herself from her journal, from her poetry, and we were able to get accurate information about her medical treatment. And Diane and Bill, my brother Bill is a, a holistic doctor. He's an allopathic doctor, but he's been very interested in alternative therapies for many years and was um, one of the presidents of the American Holistic Medical Association. So she also did very extensive alternative approaches to dealing with cancer, which gave her a very high quality of life. She was able to continue teaching until a month before she died, which is so unusual mm -hmm. for someone with metastatic cancer. So that, that, just turned, that turned into living consciously, <laughs> dying gracefully, a journey with cancer and beyond, which has won local and national awards. And it's just the most wonderful, inspiring book. You know the end. You know she dies. Mm -hmm. And yet it's riveting. And that's largely because of Becky's skills as a novelist. She was able to write each chapter in a way that was so gripping that you can just can hardly put the book down. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I have read that book. I can attest to everything you've said. And actually, just to let you know, Nancy, I'm recommending that for my book club, uh, which is um, my end-of-life options book club. So I, I'm just delighted to be able to share that with other people. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that, Catherine. I hope your book club members enjoy it as much as you did. Nancy? <laughs> I'm sure they will. Nancy, I wonder if we could, uh, if you would talk a little bit about the community you live in. It's it sounds so unique to me. The where what is it? Carefree. It's carefree, Gail. Yes, you are right. Becky and I just happened upon this community in Florida, a place we never thought we wanted to live. 
But Florida, uh, Carefree is like an alternative universe of 500 women who uh, range in age from in their 50s to in their 90s. And it's a very intentional community that supports people being very connected to and supportive of each other. There are all sorts of activities, a huge arts program, and lots of women here discover in their older years that they have artistic talent that they maybe didn't have time to explore while they were working. Mm -hmm. um, there's a chorus and a band and lots of opportunities for music expression. The sports program is huge and active. Becky and I have learned to play pickleball here, which we just mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, and uh, I have been on the education committee. So every month there are educational forum speakers and movies and discussions that are, are just, just nurture the intellectual life of this community. And there are dances several times a month. Becky and I love to dance. So that was one of the things that drew, first drew us here before we discovered how many other things and every day, every day, Gail and Catherine, we get to interact with women who are old and who are so vital. This community just absolutely proves the whole purpose of your, <laughs> your, your podcast here. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're skillful and in leadership positions here. And uh, it, it's just, it's just, they're wonderful role models. Becky and I, Becky is, is, will be 69 this summer. Um, I'm about to turn 75. And we can look at women who are considerably older than us and who are li living very fulfilling, active, vital, fun, and interesting lives. Mm -hmm. so it, it's, a, it's a wonderful place to age gracefully. Oh. Nancy, are, are the women uh, lesbian? I'd say 99% of them are. Mm -hmm. um, two of the women have their mothers living here. They're not lesbians. And a few other women just feel more comfortable in a community of women. Mm -hmm. You don't have to care about how they dress or, or, or being told to smile. Um, <laughs> they, can, they can just be themselves and it's safe. It's mm -hmm. completely safe. It's a gated community, mm -hmm. and you can go out any time of the day or night by yourself or with a friend or your partner, your wife, and walk around or go swimming or go to the, mm -hmm. go to the clay room where there's a kiln and work on your, your ceramics. Um, you, can, you can just completely feel at home and safe and yourself here. It's it does such sound a like an incredible haven. So just very quickly, tell us about the Carefree Concert Band, the film that you made, which DeGale and I have both watched, and, and I've sent out to so many people. Oh. oh, well, Becky and I are writers, and it never occurred to us that we might be also filmmakers. But <laughs> instead of the Oscars, there's a Lily Film Festival named after Lily Tomlin, who sends a message every year for our Lily Film Festival. Uh, congratulating us on another year of filmmaking. And we saw that our sisters at Carefree were making films on their iPhones. And we thought, oh my gosh, it must be really easy. We should be able to do that. Well, what could we make a film about? 
Well, I was a percussionist in the Carefree Concert Band, which, by the way, is directed by Dorothy Kunkel, who is almost 87 and is a professional orchestra and, and <laughs> band conductor. And she directs that. She, she is up there rehearsing us for two hours at a time. Um, a, another wonderful role model of aging for us. She says she she thinks she'll she'll be fine to direct the Carefree Band until she's ninety at least, and I hope I hope that that's true. So Becky and I decided to interview some of the original members of the band while they were still here or still alive, and to put them put that together in a little documentary and enter it into the Carefree Film Festival. So we did that. It was incredibly more work than we ever imagined. <laughs> and the learning curve was very steep, but we did it and it all paid off. We have a wonderful little one minute trailer and then a, an 11 minute documentary, which ended up winning not only best documentary, but the general um, audience choice. So it, it was the best film of all. I think there were maybe 25 films that were, uh, that were submitted in different categories. You're very talented, Nancy. <laughs> very you talented. a lot of awards, Nancy. My goodness. <laughs> Say, in the few minutes we have left, Nancy, we, 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 you've been talking about being in this wonderful community of women aging gracefully and wonder, role models of older women and so just how do you think about your own experience of growing older and what do you see on the horizon for you? Oh, well, first of all, I am so glad to have lived long enough to be asked this question. <laughs> what a rare privilege to be old, something not available for most people throughout human history. Oh, and by the way, as I say that word old, I'm reminded that I have been working on reclaiming the word rather than using older or senior citizen, citizen or some other euphemism. It's as, it, it's as if there's something shameful or bad mm -hmm. about the word old. And um, Becky and I belong to an organization called Old Lesbians Organizing for Change, O-L-O-C, mm -hmm. OLOC. And they proudly claim the word, word old and I think, yes, yes, I am going to get rid of my um, shame and embarrassment about being old. I am. Um, my, my second thought is that I'm so grateful to have lived long enough to have experienced retirement, which Becky and I decided early on to call our inspirement. Mm -hmm. We wanted to be inspired to do something meaningful and fun and uh, one of the things that we've done during our inspirement is help to co-found a nonprofit called the Minnesota Threshold Network, which I mentioned earlier, and to write books, and to take up a new sport, and um, to to study nonviolent communication, something that we had never mm -hmm. studied before. But there's a weekly class that we are taking on nonviolent communication, and um, and. Your, the second part of that question was, what do you see on the horizon? Mm -hmm. Well, immediately, what I see is downsizing. That's one of the challenges for all of us who are mm -hmm. aging. And people rarely do it too early, but many people wait until it's too late. Mm 
Yeah. When they mm-hmm. no longer have the stamina or the health to make all the decisions and do the work of sorting and packing and moving, they may wait until there's an emergency and then that just eliminates most of their options. So Becky and I have been downsizing intentionally for several years so that when we bought a home in Florida, our house in Minnesota was really ready to sell and mm-hmm. we could do that very quickly. And we moved into a darling little apartment because we, we still wanted to have a, a, a foothold in Minnesota. Well, mm-hmm. after COVID, we haven't been back to Minnesota for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. We're ready to let go of our apartment. So that's mm-hmm. our task this summer. We'll drive back to Minneapolis next week and we will get rid of everything in our apartment and let go of the apartment by the end of the oh. season. Well, you have such a large extended family that you won't have any trouble finding lodging when you. Some of my nephews and nieces uh, will be able to take some of our heirlooms and Mm -hmm. and our precious kitchenware. Um, So, yeah, I I, I think that will be an emotionally challenging. We got rid of, when we sold the house, we got rid of of much of our furniture but of course what we kept was the things that were most precious of course (laughs) that'll that'll be a a little harder in addition to the hundreds of books that were in our library oh that one hurts it does (laughs) (laughs) well nancy thank you so much for talking with us today your life is is really inspiring and i i like the uh Switching out retirement for inspirement. So I hope you don't mind if Gail and I oh, start using that ourselves. Yeah, please do. You are welcome to our little pun. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you, Nancy. This was really inspiring. <laughs> Thank you, Gail. Thank you, Catherine, for doing a whole podcast that is inspiring with every new person you interview. You're, you're helping to change a culture that is so deeply imbued with ageism and prejudice. And you're, you're helping people to unlearn that prejudice. And I appreciate that you're doing that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And listeners, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Become an active participant in our community through our Facebook group. And no matter your age, participate in our monthly Zoom gatherings. You'll find everything you need to know about our Women Over 70 community on womenover70.com. See you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. And, whoops. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myths that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.